0: He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You
1: like me right now. You like
0: me. He's National Review Online's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now, now that I'm on my She's way. a front-page contributor to Red State and a broadcast professional who calls life the way she sees it. Yeah! Crack up the radio. Very interesting. She's Mickey White. How do you like me now?
2: This is The Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome back to The Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Black Friday Personal Injury Insurance. Did you know that on last year's Black Friday, 14 shoppers were killed, 370 were injured, and four shopping malls were burned completely to the ground? You may not have heard of that because it technically didn't happen, but it could happen someday. Black Friday is getting increasingly dangerous and violent, so you shouldn't shop unprotected. You should get your own Black Friday Personal Injury Insurance. Today, I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And Mickey, it is good to be back on our first show in what feels like forever, since long before uh, I think, probably the entire month of November. I'm yeah, glad. I think
1: that our last show was before the election. So welcome back, everyone. So excited to be back. Sorry that it took us so long. Of course, this is mostly Jim's fault, um, because while people were fleeing the country after the election, Jim went ahead and jumped on that <laughs> boat.
0: <Bleed.
2: laughs> You know, I did spend quite a bit of time in red states before then. Now, obviously, that's easier because there are a lot more of them now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Look, life is good, and uh, I was, you know, we, you know, we have the for election day. You have my anniversary trip, the National Review cruise, and then Thanksgiving. So I basically spent almost the entire month of November away from home. Um, but I, so here's let the, so me pull my, out the pity party for you. Yeah, it's, it's it, life. I've rough. been
1: vacationing for like three weeks, so I'm exhausted.
2: I I was gonna say I came back and began post-election, you know, campaign season life, and and I recognized that we have not just like the the traditional late November holiday, but it's now turned into this like endless festival of because you have you have Thanksgiving Thursday, Mm -hmm. Black Friday turned into a very big deal. Mm -hmm. Then it's now we turn into Small Business Saturday, yes, Cyber Monday. Uh Yesterday, I believe, was Giving Tuesday, where you're supposed to donate to charity. Correct. It's turned into retail Hanukkah.
1: (laughs) Yes. And the thing about it is, is if there's sales every day, Jim, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: how do we know that the sale today is not worse than the sale yesterday or the one that's coming? Like, it's almost to the point now where people were, you know, because people shopped on Thanksgiving. There were stores open on Thanksgiving. And, of course, Black Friday, we know all about that. That used to be the big holiday, go out Friday, get the good deals, the door busters, whatever you want to call it. And as you said, now it's spread out. I mean, there are, there are websites, uh, Amazon's one of them, that's calling it Cyber Week this week. So I'm not really sure like, how you know you got the best deal.
2: It's totally, can we create like you must listen to a podcast Thursday or something <laughs> like that?
1: Yes, support your local podcast Thursday.
2: <laughs> like, like all of a sudden, it's become you know not every, not every day of the week for like two weeks afterwards. They've turned to um, Fola days, I guess you'd call them.
1: Yes, holiday.
2: <laughs> holidays, you know. Um, well, and I, I, I myself can't wait for Stop Inventing New Special Shopping Days Friday, uh, which I believe comes in about three weeks or so. so. Don't three forget or four about- weeks,
1: and this will all be over. But it seems like we've been so jam-packed this year. Like, And I think it's partially, you know, we had Halloween and then the election and then Thanksgiving. And now, bam, you know, we're right at Christmas already. And I don't know if it's the way that the holidays fell or if it's just that we've been extremely busy this year. But it feels like December and Christmas in general has kind of snuck up on us at least to me, I feel like, you know, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, oh my God, Christmas is only 25 days. <laughs> well,
2: let's face it. You know, we, we have an apolitical podcast, but let's just say it's been a divisive year, right? People, people have spent a good portion of the year being angry with each other, stealing yard signs, um, being you know, electrocuted, yeah, you know, <laughs> being electrocuted when they try to steal yard signs, <laughs> uh, cutting the power to other people's houses so they can steal yard signs. You know, it's, it's been an intense year, maybe with everything over. There's kind of a sense of, okay, now we can all enjoy ourselves, we can try to uh, uh, unite, be happy for each other and, and focus on really important things like stealing the Christmas decorations from our neighbors.
0: <laughs> we can
2: electrify See, one of my favorite those.:
1: things too. Here in Richmond is the Tacky Light Tour. And they, they're starting it up again this year, and I was so disappointed though, because one of the people in my neighborhood, last year, two years ago, I should say, won the USA Today Christmas House Award. For the entire country. And uh, I'll try to get some pictures up on Facebook. Did you get a little plaque with that? Yes. Yeah, they got a plaque. Um, They were featured in USA Today. They were on all the talk shows, etc. And they're not doing it this year.
2: The house or the the neighborhood? They're they're not decorating
1: the house. And it's so sad because, you know, like I said, we're all about tacky Christmas lights here in Richmond. It's (laughs) an annual tradition it's a tour. You can go online and find all the houses. You can program it right into your GPS, and it'll take it from house to house. It's freaking awesome. And one of my favorite houses isn't going to be participating
2: this year. Mm. So do you guys, put you and Mr. Bias, put up any uh, special decorations or things like that?
1: We do. Um, I'm not what you would call the Clark Griswold of Christmas decorations. I'm much more on the, you know, kind of keep it simple, few lights here and there. But I am someone who normally likes to have multiple Christmas trees. And I have to tell you, I haven't done any of it yet.
2: <laughs> well, okay, because Thanksgiving was early this year, we actually get a couple extra days to our Christmas season. so so
1: are you telling um, me that I'm not actually behind?
2: You're not really behind. No, it, it was it's a weird I just set feel of certain- behind. Thanksgiving is always the last Thursday in November, and because of the month ending on Wednesday. Uh, it's, it came much earlier this year. We actually have like six days in November after Thanksgiving, which we would, you know, this only happens like once every six, seven years or something like I've that.
0: I've always said so. we should get over Festivus before we start putting up Christmas decorations.
2: Ah, right. you know, and, and to
1: be honest, with you, Festivus is probably needed more this year
0: than normal. <laughs> Probably. We oh. all need something we can cling to and be together on, right? <laughs> I think it's been one long Festivus all year it's long. It's a stupid holiday my father invented. It, it, it doesn't exist. Happy yeah, festivals, Georgie. Ah! And now the airing of grievances. The grievances has gone on for quite <laughs> a long right. time. We've had enough of airing of grievances.
2: <laughs> I, I I don't think there's any grievances left unaired after uh, after the past year. No, it'd be, I, I'd be curious to see that. I, you mentioned, you know, um, Clark Griswold, the patron saint of us suburban dads. Um, that yes, I feel like it more than ever. We had to uh, our our annual you know, authenticity woods, as you know. I believe we get like 400 metric tons of leaves fall on us over the uh, over the, the autumn season, over the course of, of a two-month period. You spend the entire day raking and leaf blowing, and then, of course, you come back. And you know one good gust of wind, and everything is completely undone. So, uh, Mickey, you and uh, uh, Dave, if you were able to come up to Authenticity Woods of Virginia, you'd be on the guest list. But this weekend is our big holiday party. Cook a lot of food for everybody. Got to get the house decorated. Looking and, uh, forward to it. I am looking forward to it. We got you know. As of this taping, we still have an enormous amount of work to do. Yeah. By the time listeners hear this, I will have either um, gone either crazy, either we will be ready, or or I will. You know, you know, Gris, you know, Clark's like massive flip out at the end of the movie. He, <laughs> yeah, very effing like, Christmas. Ha- yeah. <laughs> the hap hap happiest Christmas since. Uh, a ginger rogers dance with danny bleeping k <laughs> i'm really close to giving that rant to my family uh, at this point because nobody's nobody's feeling it wait a minute i'm detecting an airing of a grievance i thought we were through with that
1: <laughs> doesn't sound like it david it seems like we still have a few more left
2: many christmases ago i went to buy a doll for my son <laughs> i reached for the last one they had but so did another man as I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm debating the point where um, in order to end bickering, in order to end fighting, in order to get everybody on the same page, like, is is it good family strategy if you just like berate everyone so that they're united against you? Does that work to stop people from fighting each other?
1: Oh, that's certainly an interesting strategy. Um, I'm not sure that that's one you want to imply on your family, though. Um, because it's
2: spirit of the season, you know. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, but getting them to all turn on you in unity, <laughs> I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant.
2: <laughs> I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I'm willing to jump. <laughs> out of Caring for my family. That's
0: right. It's Jim Garrity's Christmas Crucifixion. Everybody come over and watch.
2: (laughs) Hang on. I have to go put myself up on that cross. (laughs) Nice.
1: Well, I I wanted to mention, too, one of the most interesting lights that I saw um, this year. Todd was helping a friend of ours put up lights at their house. And it's a Billy Bass style light. And the and, and if you guys are familiar, listeners are familiar, it's the, the Billy Bass was the thing that they used to have on late night infomercials. Mm-hmm. And it would hang on the wall and the bass would sing, take me to the water. And it had a we... motion
0: detector on it, yes. so if you walked in yes, the room, and it, it sang to you and it moved. It's
2: the talking bass. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes, the
1: singing bass. And my friend put one on his house. It's a big, oversized, inflatable one that sings and bends when you walk past it. And we got texts from him the other night saying, my neighbors are going to kill me. (laughs)
2: Look, you know, Jesus was a fisher of men. uh, (laughs) What better metaphor for the birth of Christ than a giant talking bass? Give a man a
0: fish, you feed him for a day, but man, is he going to have indigestion?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give a man a singing fish and what happens? You piss off all your
2: neighbors. (laughs) There you go. So, Mickey, in Richmond, which is obviously quickly becoming the tacky-like capital of the world... Um, is there a, uh, uh, any controversy? Is any, any neighbors ever come to blows or for someone saying your lights are just too darn tacky? And I, oh can't my God,
1: them? yes, yes. Um, in fact, that's what happened with the house in our neighborhood here is that the traffic backed up for so long. The, the last time that we went and saw the house, we waited in line for about an hour just to drive down their street and see them. So you have a lot of traffic jams. Um, Mr. Bias, when we first moved to Richmond, uh, he and I did not live together. And he had a house right beside one of the longstanding Tacky Lights Mm -hmm. tour houses. And when they lit up at night, it was literally like you were on the surface of the sun (laughs) in Mr. Bias' room and so had
2: to put on sunscreen there were so yeah, many you're saying so a
1: lot of them you know they kind of they have a tendency to come by the neighbors house and be like hey it's um, september and i need you to know that huh. come december like it's going to be blown out here and usually the neighbors tend to be you know pretty good about it they know it's coming it's a big deal here in town but again on you know december 19th after 20 days already and christmas isn't even here yeah. yet and you haven't slept because of the lights and the music and the traffic <laughs> outside the house.
2: To windows to keep. Yeah, the night
1: <laughs> you get to the point where you're like, you know what? Maybe not next year. Maybe you don't need to do it. <laughs>
2: You want to tell someone? All right, that's it. You've had it. You know. I suppose this could this could start up some Grinches and stuff. And boy, nothing nothing says Christmas like um, fighting with your neighbors over the lights <laughs> <laughs> and no. going over and secretly like snipping the wires and stuff. <laughs> this, this maybe <coughs> election sign season stealing season. The yeah, season, yeah, election sign stealing season. It's really prep for Christmas light season, where you, just, you have to figure out ways to sneak into your neighbor's yard and start uh, messing with his stuff just in order to preserve your own peace of mind during the, uh, during the holiday season.
1: That's one way to look at it, Jim. <laughs> I don't want you near my Christmas lights. Um, coming up in the next segment, we're going to take a bounce off of Christmas and go back to Westworld, the place that Jim introduced us to last episode. Um, I actually had a chance to catch up, and I, I've just got some questions. So we'll be back.
2: A festivus for the rest of us.
1: <laughs> when that sun breaks out, lift up your head and shout, it's gonna be a great day.
2: Kellogg's waits for you, that spirit comes shining through, promising you a great day. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. God Now, as Festivus rolls
0: on, we come to the feats of strength.
1: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White, along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And um, during the last show, Jim, you introduced me to a new HBO series, Mm -hmm. Westworld. Since that time, the show has blown up. It's everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. So, over the holiday, Mr. Bias and I decided to catch up on Westworld. And... I've got to tell you, Jim, I've got questions, I've got, I've got concerns, and more importantly, I don't understand how I got tricked because <laughs> as you explained to me last time you know that this was, this was a very surreal world and all of this was going on, as we're watching the show, uh, for those of you who haven't watched it yet, I don't even know how to explain it. Go listen to what Jim said last week. Here's the thing. I started watching it, and I realized it's not my thing. Too late for me. Too late for me because Mr. Bias likes it. Mm. And so now, on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock, I know what I'm going to be doing, and it's going to involve cowboy robot sex.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was going to say, I I, since our first conversation about it, I have found myself – not watching it uh, and, and needing to be reminded that it's, that it's on and, and not, you know, intrigued, but, you know, I, I almost put in that category of, of Mad Men, which uh, people would say, oh, is it good? I'm like, well, it's really well done, but it's not particularly enjoyable to watch. Uh, yes. um, and, and I kind of have this feeling that, like, that it's almost like a bet at HBO uh, with, with the Nolan brothers and the whole creative team to say, all right, how can we make the most spectacular Western vistas you could imagine? seem really creepy and unnerving. <laughs> and how how uncomfortable can we make you while you're seeing theoretically happy beautiful things and beautiful people in beautiful places. How much how much you know and and the end result is that you're like you're engrossed in it and it's very all very well done, but you end up not having any fun during it, which I think is, you oh, know,
1: there's like zero comic relief. It it's is like intense. Yeah, it's like intense from the minute it starts to the time that it ends. And there's no real variance in activity. You know, it's like it kind of runs on the high line the entire time. And it's, it's frustrating for me as I watch it because as we're watching it and discussing it, Mr. Bias looks at me and goes, oh, I've seen this movie. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I've seen this movie. It has Yul burner in it. I was like, so they were able to take this and put it into a movie. And HBO has stretched it out over eight weeks and now they've picked it up another season. Someone was asking yesterday, is it worth getting into? And I saw a response on Twitter that I thought was perfect. I'll let you know next week. Okay, yeah. Because the finale is on Sunday. And it's one of those shows that if they don't tie this up right at the end of this season, I have no reason to turn in for the next tune in for the next season.
2: Like it, is, it is the crux of every problem of every mystery show, right? Like you, you know, and in a way, good storytelling is a series of telling you things that makes you want to know more and makes you want to watch more. But at the same time, you need the resolution. You need to you need those you need those questions to be answered, but new questions to replace them. And my my sneaking suspicion is that a lot of these shows um, would work really well as a limited series. And now, you know, apparently, they're already making a second season, and it's all. Um, the plan is for a lot more Westworld um, and and kind of knowing that right now we already know a couple of details about uh, how this world works. and, and I don't know, understand
1: how- why we need a second season. I mean we haven't even seen the finale yet, but I already feel like I've seen enough. Mm. And And my concern is that it's one of those shows where they could take it and twist it into a million different things. And it becomes very convoluted over time, and unfortunately, we see this happen with a lot of shows where they start out strong, and then by the end, you're like, "eh." And my problem is maybe it's because they're all robots or whatever. And now I think everyone's a robot, so it really doesn't even matter. But That's I haven't one of the theories. Yeah, but I haven't like I don't connect with any of the characters. Um, Dandy Newton is in it, and she is fantastic, mm-hmm. and yet she's still a robot. So her character, Maeve, is great, but I don't relate to her because she's a robot. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if she's a hooker cowboy robot. Or not.
0: And that's like, not an explanation of why she won't win an Emmy because she might, but she's still
2: robotic.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and, like, I don't understand how you're supposed to relate to people who you know are not actual people.
2: Well, say, how, do you, how do you direct episodes like this? Okay, I need you to emote, but not that much. That's right. A little well, less I, emotion. I, told,
1: I don't know if I've told you guys my theory, but I've decided that after watching Westworld, that that's where the mannequin challenge came from. Ah. I mean, everyone always freeze frames when, you know, a real person walks in. Right. And so I'm here. thinking someone was watching Westworld and saw that, and that's what spawned the absolutely ridiculous mannequin challenge, which is stupid.
2: You know, thinking back to the the first kind of storyline and moments of when we were being introduced to this world, for about 15, 20, 30 minutes, it looked like almost a very traditional narrative that we were going to have heroes and villains uh, and that we were going to attempt to be engrossed in the story of the, the poor farm lass and the hooker with the heart of gold and the scary menacing ed harris who by the way you know i, I like to think of this as john mccain just turns really evil it's a really twisted sequel to game change he used to play outdated, good yeah. guys but he's
0: really sold himself over to the bad guy in yeah. his elder years
2: um what ha- what would happen in the x-men if cyclops went back to the old west all kinds of you know <laughs> theories you can kind of float out for these characters but and then after a while like as you said you know you have the human characters or at least we're led to think they're human characters walk on and say all right no robots freeze and all the robots freeze and it's almost as if like they're saying to the sh- the show itself is hitting freeze and and it's kind of like it, it, I, i'm sure they feel like it's an exciting thing of oh we're really going to jar the audience. So we're going to watch. They'll be watching this scene, and everything, including the horses and chickens, will suddenly stop <laughs> because they've you know they've frozen everything. The horses
1: might creep me out the most, by the way, of all the things that freak me out about this.
2: Yeah,
1: like I'm so uncomfortable with the entire premise of the show. Maybe that's part of the
2: problem. Well, at what point did they decide? Okay, we have our entirely fictional, uh, artificial scene with artificial people, but. We can't have real horses in there.
0: It's like They a, wouldn't act properly. It's like a Shakespearean aside to the audience, right? All the actors quit moving and the actor says to the audience what he wants them to know directly. <laughs>
2: I mean, how would you like to be the brilliant robotic engineer who's given the assignment, okay, I need a robot chicken. <laughs> I need you. That's I need already on, on TV. <laughs> and go cluck, cluck, cluck. On the comedy I'm, channel.
1: Yeah, I was going to say robot chicken already has its own show.
2: I watch it every night. Does robot chicken, like, yeah, but, you know, do the the Westworld robot chickens, like, peck at, like, artificial seed? (laughs) Do they generate artificial chicken droppings, or does somebody (laughs) have to go out and create artificial chicken (laughs) droppings? Artificial horse poop, right? We have have artificial poop for Halloween, right? We've we've
0: already invented artificial poop for human useful (laughs) purposes.
1: I I just, like I said, I, I don't understand. One, I'm creeped out by the idea of all the fake chickens. The robotic chickens, the robotic horses, the robotic animals, the robotic people who now, like I said, I'm pretty much convinced everyone's a robot. But there was a lot of talk when this first started airing about how Anthony Hopkins, you know, best role of his life, blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. it's the same role. <laughs> That's uh. what I saw was that Anthony Hopkins in his older years has apparently decided that he doesn't need range. I don't know if he ever had it, but he certainly doesn't seem to care if he needs it now because the creepy character that he plays in this is nothing but a dressed-up Dr. Hannibal Mm. Lecter.
2: Mickey, I am an old British man who's very wise, very calculating, but you don't know if you can trust me. And I might have gone crazy at some point. And maybe I would eat your liver with fava beans. Yeah, I do kind of get that vibe. You're right. See, really. And a nice Chianti. Someone
0: asked him in an interview recently what uh, what is his secret to acting, and he literally said, "I show up, I read the lines, I go home." That's <laughs> and that's exactly well, what he does. You know,
1: I'm saying like I as I watched it, and maybe it's because I'd heard so many people talk about what a great job that he did. I found myself being very suspect of him, and and and. Suspect of the people who thought he had done a good job because I'm watching it and literally thinking he's still playing Lecter.
2: Yeah, as you said, with with so many of these, with all these characters being so humorless, so joyless. If 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 there's if there's humor, it's like um, gallows humor, sarcastic humor. There's kind of this air of like constant oppressive cynicism. Nobody the on up, screen. Just yeah.
1: the upbeat thing that you want to see this time of year. By the way,
2: yeah, maybe it's natural. They're coming to their. Uh, don't the, don't the suicides go up at this time of year? Yeah, I <laughs> don't watch HBO. Yeah, so.
1: Well, and the thing about it is is I know that they needed something to go in after Game of Thrones. I know that HBO has spent a great deal of time building this episodes up. I don't understand why they invested so much in a story that had no potential to expand beyond maybe a couple seasons.
2: Yeah, I, I'm sure they probably figured at some point you can introduce new well, I guess here's what, they, they've so thoroughly uh, no pun intended, disassembled the characters. Right, that, that you know, Battery's the not moment included. you feel a certain sense of attachment to them, surprise, they're actually robots. I I,
1: I do not trust Westward with my heart at all. Uh. Um, I feel like it's just leading me down a path of pain and suffering.
0: Have they done this yet? Have they t- said uh, robots stop and had a whole bunch of characters in the scene stop and one of them turns out to have been a human pretending to be a robot? No. So well, they yeah, will. Everybody escape. is a robot. They will. I promise you that's that's an inevitable direction of one of the episode plots.
1: Well, the robots, as part of the plot, the robots are actually becoming aware. Mm. So there are some robots that are showing signs of trouble, to say the least.
0: So if a human oh. stopped when you said robots stop," the other robots would point at him and go, he's not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> but they can't because they've been stopped. That's, so. a, that's the, the puzzlement right there. How will they play that out? I'll have to watch
1: for the idea of being able to voice command people to shut up, though. (laughs) Like, honestly, if you're sitting there and you're in a conversation about how beneficial this could have been at Thanksgiving. But if you're inside of a situation and suddenly, Jim, you look at your family and you're like, everyone stop. (laughs) Take break. Come back to this conversation.
2: Mickey, as you're describing that, all of a sudden I'm liking the idea because I'm thinking of the, the anger and frustration in your voice and, and you know, the uh, the film series that is rapidly turning into one of your favorites. Don't we really need a purge Christmas movie? Yes! It's yeah. a wonderful purge. It's a wonderful purge. I love it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure it always seems like these movies are taking place at midsummer, but at some point in the future, uh, the, the evil American government decides to reschedule the... Uh, uh, the purge to like December twenty second or something like that. You know, get your shopping done. <laughs> get your shopping done now before you're all purged. And uh, it'd be kind of you know you could imagine all the different ways people could be uh, impaled on Christmas trees <laughs> or uh, broken ornaments everywhere. And you know, I'm are we sure there's a sort Christmas of Christmas
1: films are in fact horror movies. We are coming oh, to Christmas
0: Christmas. the new Halloween season.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: season. Yeah, exactly. Um, that might seem like the scariest thing you could imagine, but oh no, my friends. There's something scarier this ho- this holiday season. It is indeed our old friend Gwyneth Paltrow. She's got some new gift ideas, which we'll be examining right after this. Another Festivus Miracle! Chickalickin. I'd like... We're closed, lady. My cousin's dropped in.
0: Lady,
2: I'm
1: mopping up. What are you mopping with? What am I
2: mopping
1: with?
0: What kind of cleanup? A liquid. Like-
2: Spick and span. span. Want
1: to get home? It'll put power in the water. Go over where you just cleaned.
0: But it's clean.
1: Look, spick and span wouldn't leave all that greasy dirt.
0: Hey, thanks, lady. If there's anything I could ever do for you. I have these cousins who dropped in. Spick place. and span. gets the dirt liquid cleaners leave behind. Until you pin me, George,
2: Festivus is not over. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And longtime listeners will know that Gwyneth Paltrow, the actress philosopher, um, lifestyle maven, uh, and, and all-around role model is more or less the official uh, pinata of the Jim and Mickey show. <laughs> we take her out every now and then and give her some good wax just for because she... Well, you some would argue she has it coming. She keeps finding new ways to uh to do this. Her her honest to goodness, her lifestyle is it a magazine slash catalog? Is that the best way to describe what goop is, Mickey?
1: Goop is her website. Okay. Um and yes, it is I believe they do they do have a paper magazine of it now. Um however, it's it's her website, it's her lifestyle website where she gives, you know, everyday people suggestions on how they could live better and be things better like you her could,
2: yeah, things you could do and, and enjoy and buy if you were as wealthy and well-connected and privileged as Gwyneth Paltrow
1: although Gwyneth it never Paltrow ever includes that stipulation in any of her suggestions
2: um you know this way there is nothing that can turn me into a communist revolutionary quite like this or, alternately, the old show, My Super Sweet 16, in which you would find yourself seeing you know, spoiled brats spending millions of dollars um, on, on a party and, and whining that it's not enough and things like that. But I gotta, I, I, you, you sent it to me, Mickey, mm-hmm. uh, in all of your good judgment, showing me the 2016 Goop gift guide. <laughs> say that three times fast. And um, a lot of things jumped out at me. But I, I'm going to say, quite simply, uh, not going to purchase this for Mrs. Campaign Spot, but quote the – Ruby's Boobies Rose Necklace. Oh, um,
1: yes. A classic.
2: A sterling silver rose gold plated uh, necklace that depicts a, a woman's torso with two rubies. And I'll bet you you can guess exactly where they go. It's only 390 pounds, uh, Mickey, in terms of cost, not weight. I have to you know, get out <laughs> my, my exchange rate to figure this out and things like that. Um, boy, I... Yes, and I, looking, Mr. At, got that looking at it,
1: it's, it's really a torso. It's basically a woman's torso with the boobies attached with little rubies on the nipples, and she suggests you buy that for a friend,
2: yeah, so, if someone gave you that Mickey <laughs> how how do you react to it is it saying you you know is it is it like giving someone a spice rack <laughs>
1: yeah I'm not sure that it's quite the same um in fact, I feel like it's one of the, those gifts that someone would open up and look at and then wonder why you were friends in the first place
2: yeah or maybe it's maybe it's a, i need to end a friendship maybe that's well, that's a service we need to create really bad tasteless gifts that you can give to someone when you don't really want to be their friend anymore but you don't want to deal with the directness of of the of dumping a friend so you give them an utterly tasteless gift that deeply offends them and then they don't want to hang around with you anymore but you don't have to actually you know, say, I don't really like enjoy hanging around with you.
1: Well, that would explain why you usually see Gwyneth hanging out alone.
2: Um, also, if someone gave you the renew based Theodent toothpaste, which is only $114 a tube. What, I mean, what is this now? Like, like luxury artisan toothpaste or something?
1: <laughs> why are you spending $100 on
2: toothpaste?
1: And why are you buying someone toothpaste for Christmas?
2: Yeah, so so uh, if you don't mind my asking, uh, Mickey, what are you getting me from the gift catalog? Because the um, the yurt looks pretty interesting. Well, um, the yurt's
1: probably my favorite thing on it. Um, yeah. She actually suggests that you could buy someone a yurt. Um, it's called a groovy yurt. Yurt actually, and it's listed at eight hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, it's eight thousand three hundred dollars for that person in your life who really loves yurts. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the yurt, I actually like them quite a bit. They are a semi-permanent, if you will, tented area with inside a living quarters, etc. Sometimes it's one room. Sometimes it's split up where you have all of your living area in one space. I don't understand why you would give someone one for Christmas. It would be a bit like giving them a camper. Tough to wrap, isn't it? Right. And, and again, why are you buying someone a yurt? Um, But I think for you, what I have picked out, and I'm looking uh, here at the picture, it's the Saletti Toilet Paper Little Butt Table. Oh. Oh. See, I was
2: thinking about getting that for you. Oh, no. Twinsies. Twinsies. Um,
1: Yes, because I feel like, one, this is obviously a very reasonably priced one at just under $1,000. And also because for our listeners, I'm going to link to this so you can actually see it. But I need you to understand that this is a three-legged table. And it has a round surface on top. The only thing on the top surface is a picture of a bare bottom, as in a bum, as in a chick's behind, with a card sticking out of the butt. So, super tasteful.
2: Um, Now, here's the thing. Am I crazy... Mickey or I'm looking right now on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think you can get it for actually just four hundred and fifty-two dollars and nineteen ninety-nine shipping. Oh. Um now it's not eligible true. for Amazon Prime, but uh yeah, so you can get it as soon as within a couple of days, really. So well, I
1: think it's really thoughtful of Gwyneth to step it back from the fifteen thousand dollar vibrator that ah. suggested last year. Um, but I do That's think
2: there are no customer reviews yet. I'm I'm thrown by that. I really expected uh, <laughs>
1: It, 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 it blows my mind that she's got on here a spa. Mm. You could just buy someone a spa.
2: Not a spa treatment. You mean an actual spa.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, a steam room for in your house. Or you could buy one of these cat or dog pendants um, for you know the person who doesn't necessarily warm up to the idea of carrying a torso with red ruby nipples on it <laughs> around their neck. She does offer these heinously ugly cat pendants that appear to be drawn... I'm going to go with 1920s, 1930s creepy cats. And it's all emblazoned with jewels, etc. But again, I I want to know who she's buying this for. Like Instead of seeing her gift buying guide, I want to see her give these people these gifts. And that could be a great reality show, by the way. Like Gwyneth Gifts. And she could just go around and give these gifts that she's picked out to people to her friends. And then we could see how they actually react in real life because there's no way. They're like, yes, thank you, Gwyneth. <laughs> I needed that. I really wanted a table with a bare ass on it. Thank you. <laughs> ah.
0: And by the way, here's my card.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, you know, I've seen all of these gift-buying guides um, that have been out. And and generally, yes, they, they, they come up with things, you know, Gifts under $20, gifts under $100, you know, gifts for the, you know, food lover in your life, gifts for the man in your life. Gwyneth's are gifts for people you don't like and yeah. want to spend a lot of money on.
2: I'm looking at this, so uh, on her entertaining list, Skolta- now I, I. here's the thing. If you come to, you'll, you'll be at our house this weekend, Mickey, you'll see. We do our very nice, I don't think we've ever really used napkin rings. But if you wanted, you know, if you're going to have napkin rings, you might as well go with these Sculptana solid brass napkin rings. 52 bucks a piece. For nap- $52. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking at this and trying to see like what, you know, oh, here we go. So, shimmering polished brass for napkin rings. Add an instant touch of glam to any dinner table. And this set of two designed in 1988. Oh, Mickey, eighty-eight was a really good year for napkin ring design. Uh, people say it was a really, it was a breakthrough year, and particularly for Skoltana out of Sweden, because um,
1: yes, yeah. they age very well. well. One of the gifts on here, it's actually listed as a, a suggestion, is to purchase Dennis Hopper's personal record collection.
2: See, okay, and know, that's you-
1: for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but you could only buy one. What are you well, going to do for your second
2: friend? so I actually look at that not that I have the extra 150 grand kicking around to zero. there's a part like wouldn't you just be kind of curious about what you would find in there no no all right. but
1: again I'm not a Dennis Hopper fan so it's not you know that that's not something I'm sure that it's all kinds of like hippie dippy music
2: bad things man bad yeah things. exactly
1: like that's what I envision and I'm wondering why she chose him to be the one whose personal record collection she was going to purchase Yeah.
2: How did she get it come to think of it? Mhm. That is a good strange question. So maybe we can kind of just, you know, pull out to the 1000 foot level, Mickey. What why does Gwyneth Paltrow do this? I mean, she she puts out these crazy gift lists and then we all kind of you know, react and make fun of her. Do, do, like are enough people actually buying this to keep Goop in business and and, you know.
1: Well, I think the problem is that people go to Goop and actually expect to find helpful information there and every you know, every couple months she does something very Gwyneth because I would say crazy but really it's just very Gwyneth because um, she's become you know a habit of this but she's so, I think what makes it so bad is that she is someone who would read this list and be like yes, this, this, is, this is what I would buy my friends or at least that's what we think about
2: yeah. there, There's an earnestness to it. She really thinks you need these things she really thinks one, that you, can, one you can afford these things Mm-hmm. Two, these are the sort of things that will genuinely improve and help your life and bring you happiness. Like, you, it, it's not enough to say Gwyneth Paltrow is crazy. She really is more of a, um, like there, there's a, a, a arrogance there. There's a, a kind of you. Know, there's, a, there's a there's a like quasi condescending. Uh, There's Uh, a condescending
1: um, attitude in everything that she does. And I think it portrays out when she does these type of gift lists. And, you know, it could be one of those things where it just drives traffic to the website. Um, And so they get, you know, more outlandish each year with some of the things that they select to put on these lists. But again, it's a very popular site for lifestyle information, etc. And it makes me wonder who is going to goop.
2: Like, the other Do thing I was, know
1: these people? I think I should know. Like, I think I should know if there's someone in my life that's going to get life advice from Gwyneth Paltrow.
2: The other thing is, like, almost everyone um, makes uh, that we know makes fun of her. Now, maybe we live in a bubble, but it seems like a very big bubble. Like, it's not like you've seen I, – I, I, I'm waiting for the slate pitch. No, Gwyneth Paltrow really is a good lifestyle leader or something like that. Like, some sort of, like, really um, – uh, this, or, or I'm actually I'm looking at this. You know, what, I was I, one we we've, we've neglected to mention that I think is uh, even more appropriate. Um, the the Virginia Sin porcelain cones, unlike the real thing, your ice cream won't drip from the bottom. These are twenty four dollars each, so you can actually buy a porcelain ice cream cone. So it, instead of a bowl, you buy a porcelain ice cream that looks like an ice cream cone, but you cannot actually eat it or bite it. Because it's porcelain and you'd, you'd hurt your teeth.
1: <laughs> Which, well, again, she's so aloof that the suggestions, and it could be because of her general presence that you know when we look at these suggestions, we assume like this is something she would pick out for people, and we do judge her because she deserves to be judged. Mm-hmm.
0: If she could explain, I would understand how useful this would be to me. Oh, well, I'll take two, please. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Yeah. You're right. There's a real sense that there's a um, – oh, the, the $155 egg birdhouse uh, also looks pretty good on this list. Um, I, I'm kind of you know looking at this and marveling that it's like none of these things she feels even needs remote explanation. Like it's self-evident that these are all fantastic things that you should have and that you should spend the GDP of a small country to uh, – to get all your friends, these things.
0: She's a little schizo. She's, she's the, I am one of you. I am infinitely superior to you. Double minded woman.
2: <laughs> I'm just
0: no? like you, but I'm way, way better than you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just like you, but I'm so much better than you. <laughs> just so you know, I'm just so much better. And, uh, you know, Gwyneth is never going to disappoint us. So we'll be coming back to her. I'm sure in the future, but don't forget to go out and check out goop and find out all the things you can buy for your friends that they don't want for Christmas. <laughs> And when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, another Christmas holiday special. Is going to get the Jim and Mickey treatment. Coming up next.
0: Rush out in a buying frenzy. Log on to Goop today. Happy Festivus! Happy Festivus! Happy Festivus! (laughs) Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! Introducing Popeye's all new comic strip glasses, yours to keep when you buy a 69 cent soft drink.
1: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am your host, Mickey White, along with my co host, Jim Garrity. Some longtime listeners will be familiar with our breakdown of Rudolph the Red News Reindeer. It was by far one of the classic segments of the jim and mickey show so I, I definitely encourage any new listeners to go and find that i'll put a link up for you because it's a classic but as it turns out jim's been watching the television again with the kids <laughs> and another christmas classic has caught his eye
2: yeah you know you see these things are known as classics you see the commercials for them you all kind of go aw. You get together the kids to watch the, these Christmas specials that only come once a year and that we remember from our childhood. And then you see them through adult <laughs> eyes and you think, wait a minute, these are kind of psychotic. Now, uh, we've already dissected the Nazi-like Santa in the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, uh, shipping off the undesirables to the Island of Misfit Toys. This year, um, you know, right around Thanksgiving, I was over with my uh, the rest of my family and we ended up catching... Rusty the Snowman, and I suddenly realized one: the whole story and the whole song sung by Jimmy Durante. One, it's a giant metaphor to teach kids about death um, and/or Hindu reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, don't you cry, he'll he'll be back again someday. We all return to Earth to dust, we melt like the snowman, but we return when winter comes again the following year, Mickey. So it's kind of like the Bargavita. Um you definitely see this cycle of death and life and renewal and it teaches kids to understand uh, that they may come back as an earthworm or as an animated snowman. Um. The other thing is Mickey, I'm sure you have you've, you've watched this, right? The, you know, mm-hmm. the animated one that looks like uh, Again, uh, it
1: creeps me out.
2: Okay. Why does um, it creep you out?
1: It, I, it creeps me out because I think I caught it once as an adult. Okay. And I never really liked it that much as a kid, probably because of the weird magician guy and the black cat that's always yes. to steal the hat. Um, but I also remember feeling like it wasn't actually very Christmassy. It's more a winter
2: tale. It is. You are correct. It really is very much. uh,
1: It's like it's very non-secular in that sense or secular in that sense. And there's like really nothing about Christmas in it. And in fact, he's always saying happy birthday. And that freaks me out, too, for some reason. Um, But it's not very Christmassy feeling. I don't like the magician. Like he's straight out of, you know, 1960s cartoon hell and he's chasing the kids around and his little hat falls off and then he's chasing after it and you know and then Frosty the snowman gets trapped in a greenhouse. I mean, who the hell puts a snowman in a greenhouse? <laughs> and it's just it doesn't make any sense to me and they, and these kids they're going to build the snowman up and he's going to disappear and I found it to be very troubling as a child and I think when I watched it as I got older I was like I'm not watching this again. Okay. This is not a Christmas special.
2: There are several glaring contradictions that I think uh, Uh, All of us only come clear to you in adulthood. The first being that uh, you're right. This this bad, allegedly bad musician, Professor Hinkle. He's supposed to be terrible, and yet he is in possession of a uh, a hat that can create life from non-life. That is, in fact, the greatest magic trick of all time. That's like Genesis, right? This is in fact with the Genesis Project from uh, from Star Trek Three. This can take something that is unliving. You put the hat on it and it makes it alive. Now, of all the things he could do with it, he could put it on a doll. He could put it on a mannequin. This could be the classic 1980s mannequin movie if he if he'd just done that. Well, did they ever really explain what the magician plans to do with his hat though? No, he hasn't and yet somehow he is a failed magician. Now, think about it. You can create life from non-life and you cannot turn that into a successful magic career.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's an epic fail and, and he, again, chasing them around town. And, and scaring the children. And the whole gist of it is basically they make the snowman, they hide the snowman, he melts, they build him again, he melts again.
2: Um, worth noting, by the way, two, two other kind of aspects, because I, I began to recognize a bit of an H.P. Lovecraft uh, horror theme to it, because there are grown-ups and adults who encounter Frosty. Mm-hmm. And first for about the first five minutes of their interactions, it seems perfectly normal to them that they're interacting with a talking snowman. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, it like it dawns upon them and they inevitably do some sort of like, you know, they, they, they are stunned and a bit like every protagonist in H.P. Lovecraft, Tales of Cthulhu uh, titled, to understand the mysteries of the universe and how, where life comes from and our purpose in the world is to be driven insane. The human mind cannot understand it, and so Frosty the Snowman keeps leaving these these insane human beings in his path that we never go back to. <laughs> there's a policeman. There's a train guy. There's all kinds of pe- by He just leaves so, them. Yeah, and they're all kind of left like you know howling, drooling imbeciles who are like oh uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> Their very understanding of life and their place in the universe has been challenged to its core because they thought they were, I presumably, created in a, seems like a very Christian town. And all of a sudden we learn that God himself is willing to imbue a hat with the ability to create life from non-life out of a snowman. Ethel, so I'm talking
0: would... to a snowman. Go turn on the heat lamps in the greenhouse.
2: Right. <laughs> this, this would challenge you to your core. if we Well, there's no happy ending for Frosty.
1: Like, the kids might get to play with him again, but he still melts.
2: True, true. And and
1: I don't know who the actor is who played Frosty's voice or whatever who did the happy birthday thing, but that couldn't be more John Wayne Gacy to me. It's like Frosty's like a hair off of being a clown. And I think that's part of it, too, because, you know, you all know how I feel about clowns. And I, and I feel like Frosty might be just right like their cousins.
0: Your producer is sitting here doing his job Googling and the voice of Frosty is someone named Jackie Vernon, who I've never heard of.
2: There we go. I, see, now, here's the thing. Everyone human, at least the, at some point, like instead of acting like, oh, it's perfectly normal for snowmen to talk. The crux of the story is how unlikely it is and how bizarre it is and how much it challenges how we, the, the, what we know of the world. But everyone acts perfectly normal to the fact that the inept physician Professor Hinkle's rabbit named Hocus Pocus basically acts like a human being the entire time. The, the <laughs> yes. rabbit is completely aware of what everyone's doing, reacts to everything. is the one who actually chases down the hat. I was going to say the down.
1: rabbit's the one that's actually kind of got his – Stuff together, so to speak.
2: Exactly. He's the only competent character. And so, we, you know, the the citizens of this strange, unnamed town are in a world of of animated, uh, uh, you know, life from non life snowmen. Um, But everyone seems perfectly normal with the fact that super intelligent rabbits are running around. And I believe wearing clothes. That's the other thing, which is. bizarre about this by the way the teacher
0: the teacher in the frosty the snowman show is played by june foray who was the voice of rocky in rocky and bullwinkle the flying squirrel useless trivia
1: that's who the 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 magician reminds me of is something straight out of like rocky and bullwinkle (laughs) as far as the design and his
2: look and kind of that evil character can
0: i derail a show with an unimportant trivia or
2: what (laughs) please do actually um, but here, you're right that there are these all these elements, and there, as you point, there's really almost nothing in this about Christmas, other than the fact that it takes place at winter time. But so you have an evil magician, right? This is the, how many how many Christmas stories have like genuine designated villains? Maybe the Grinch, right? But even the Grinch redeems himself.
1: Well, that's the thing is, there's always kind of a turning point in most Christmas stories, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and maybe that's why this isn't a Christmas story, even though they share it at the holidays. Is it, it's not really. There's no turning point. There's no redemption for oh, okay. the no, or Frosty. Nobody.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm realizing, look, Santa does appear at the end, um, and he's made of Christmas snow. He can never melt away. And uh, the, the, Hink, the, the comeuppance for Hinkle is that if he takes the hat, he'll never get another Christmas present for him as long as he, the rest of his life. Now, I don't know about you, Mickey, if I could create life from non-life, I might be willing to give up every Christmas present for the rest. What a terrible deal this guy Hinkle Well, not
1: to mention the fact I cannot believe that that's all that the hat does. Like – If it can bring life, then I suspect you could probably make it do other things as well.
2: It seems to be imbued with divine power. Like this is the Ark of the Covenant and Holy Grail rolled into one hat. And you're going to roll it off and give it to Santa so that you can get a CD player next year. You could tie
0: together great storylines by putting the hat on the beautiful mannequin in the department store. Right then you'd have a whole new a whole new sequel to Frosty the Snowman. Andrew McCarthy McCarthy could no mannequin. The
2: only other thing I could think of is that I, I, I just said that the existence of uh, Frosty challenges the Christian worldview of life, the only other thing I could think of is that because Frosty dies and comes back again, whether Frosty himself is something of a Christ figure <laughs> and is meant to imbue to kids the idea that, yes, death is part of life, but we, like Frosty, will be resurrected again when um Oh, the- my God. So we managed to get religious at Christmas. What a shock! It is, and maybe the creators of Frosty the Snowman sensed that anything too overt, like Linus's speech in the the Christmas special, was would be too controversial someday. So we need to slip in the concept of resurrection and eternal life in the in, in heaven are uh, really under the radar to kids to Given let them, them know a lot that of really credit. Like Frosty will come back again one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got to tell you that I. Never saw that in Frosty, but now I will always see him as Frosty the Snow Jesus.
2: There, we go. the Snow Savior. Oh, see the Snow Savior. That's perfect. I think All this, complaints should be directed to Mickey White and Dave Perkins, care of the Jim and Mickey Show. This yes.
0: segment is clearly an introduction to re-air the grievances of Festivus.
2: The tradition of Festivus begins
0: with the airing of grievances
1: coming up in the next segment we're going to talk about some of your favorite christmas movies
0: i got a lot of problems with you people and
1: get you ready for next week
0: this is a full-blown four alarm holiday emergency here you
2: can feel uneasy about your bathroom the best fresh ingredients are what make betty crocker potato dishes taste so good (laughs) hi i'm mike wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. Get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get Golden Fluffo. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And once again, the hour has flown by pretty darn quickly, but uh, wouldn't be a a complete episode if we didn't review the results of the Trivial Tuesday uh, contest or discussion that uh, Mickey runs on Twitter. Uh, Mickey, this week you asked about – was it about continuing our theme of Frosty the Snowman, the holiday specials that really make it – Really make the season for people?
1: Yes. And, um, and I was very pleasantly surprised at the variety of specials that I got back. Of course, initially, I was inundated with the answers and screams of Die Hard. <laughs> and while you know, I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie on the show, what I will tell you is that it didn't count. For any of you who turned that in, I was not taking that as an answer. I should have made that clear up front. Um, however, I was loving some of the different answers that we got from all of our different listeners, and it's it's amazing to me um, the variety that they came up with. Uh, one of the one of the first ones to pop up was a Christmas Carol starring George Scott. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. that one?
2: I was going to say, I also kind of thought of, uh, as, as I think it was the Patton Christmas special, but yes. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like Patton does Scrooge. Yes. Uh, no, I, I probably the definitive uh, Christmas Carol version, although I understand that uh, a lot of people like Patrick Stewart's version as well. I uh, like Scrooge. Oh, okay. The, the Bill Murray one? Yeah, the Bill Murray
1: one's probably my favorite of the A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. type stories that they do. Scrooge was great. And of course, there's like, so much 80s in Scrooge. You can't watch it and not immediately be transported back to, you know, Lee Major
2: Santa Claus and the cheesy action Christmas action movie in the beginning. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, that was so great. <laughs> that was great. So we had uh, some people with that we did have one of our listeners suggested Frosty the Snowman. So I'd like to go ahead and apologize to them right now. <laughs> we may have just ruined that for That's you. Right. So never want sorry you about me. that.
2: We made them view it in a whole new light. Um.
1: Now, the thing about it was, is we had, um, again, there were uh, some people suggested It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, that's one of those movies um, that maybe we'll talk about this a little bit next week, but that's one of those movies that's truly controversial in the sense that there are a lot of people who apparently really hate it. Mm-hmm. And I like it quite a bit. Um, Elf came up. One of your favorites, when you mentioned in the last segment, came up as well, which is the Charlie Brown Christmas Special. And that was probably the number one answer on the board.
2: I, I think it's deservedly so. Of um, course you do. Well, yeah. But, you know, obviously it stands out. It has stood the test of time. What I think uh, maybe we'll do in a, a segment in one of the coming weeks here is the recognition that they did several actual you know Peanuts Christmas Specials. You know, that one was from, I believe, the uh, mid-60s. They did a couple later in the 80s that really are – like discount knockoff versions, um, it's like they they really set the bar astoundingly high with their first effort and said, you know, we're not going to equal that, so let's um, let's just phone it in and sell some commercials here. <laughs> you know, so it was it was kind of sad to see. You know, we we've, we've done the very best. You want to talk about sequelitis? You know, you want maybe this, this is the single greatest drop off uh, among movies. Probably you have to go to the Matrix series. Uh-huh. That kind of a. Uh, disappointing sequel uh, decline trend. Kevin,
1: there. one of our very loyal listeners and friends, um, Kevin actually suggested the National Lampoon's Vacation.
2: Ah, well, good. That's probably more of a documentary. And
1: Elf. Um, Travis suggested Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and he was the one who said Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. So, Travis, I want to go ahead and apologize.
2: Man, we're two for two on his favorites. So I know, nice. right? <laughs>
1: like, we were just crushing it. Um, Jazz and several other people, Brian... Travis and a few others suggested How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original cartoon, mm-hmm. not to be confused with the Jim Carrey movie, which is you know, not
2: as good. The, the whole point of The Grinch, as I understand it, was to argue against the commercialization and materializ- materialism surrounding Christmas. Which then Jim Carrey makes a movie out of, and there are Grinch toys and Grinch books and Grinch apparel. and It's like, wait a minute.
1: All right. I have to ask this question because it was something that Brad Essex suggested, and then several other people jumped in and said, this is fantastic. And I had never heard of it, so I'm tossing it to you guys, and I'm thinking Dave might know. What is the Easy Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas?
2: Ain't got a clue, sister. Sorry to disappoint you. But I can look wow, it up. That's an obscure reference that, you know, unless they made it up and this is a giant Twitter hoax, uh, we may have to explore this in time for next episode. Yeah, I may
1: have to give that some thought and and, and give that some more research as well. Um, but I do want to thank everybody, you know, for getting those answers out to us because some of them uh, reminded me of shows that I want to make sure to catch this year. Um, in fact, Chris Barron suggested Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And when I was doing Trivial Tuesday on Tuesday this week, it was on that night. So it was a good way for everybody to find out that Rudolph was going to be on because it's one of those things where they don't really tell you Mm. that the shows are coming on. They just kind of pop them into programming.
2: Well, I was going to say a lot of parents probably have them on DVD already. I know we have a couple of them, and uh, you know th- those are really the sort of things that should be on demand, and you just you know plug them in whatever night you feel like the kids most need to be entertained, and you know yeah, I need we need a really good Krampus special, uh, <laughs> something that keeps the kids in line. And you there's know,
1: a scary movie called Krampus. Yeah. And there's yeah, always I'd, that I'd option.
2: It appropriate. I mean, you, you could show like one kid getting disemboweled. Or something. This is kind of a, <laughs> the whole a family. A Christmas, Christmas just at too much. the house. Too much Christmas Children spirit.
1: Being disemboweled.
0: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) No people raising from the dead. Children out there getting disemboweled.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and another one, you you sang that, and immediately, you know what I think of, is that people had suggested that they watch Holiday Inn, which has been retitled to White Christmas. Yes, so if you see Holiday Inn on, that's the original White Christmas movie. I
2: I was going to say, White Christmas... um there's like really very little – I've watched I think several times now, several Christmases in a row. You're, you're visiting with family. It's just on TV. It's been colorized. And really almost nothing happens until the end. They sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And then you're like, "Ah, Aw. It's just – you know, it, it, there's something amazing about the pacing of old movies. Well, The Wicked Witch uh,
1: of the West is the, is the assistant. in that movie and another big popular movie this time of year is apparently The Wizard of Oz which again you know creeps me out so I don't want to
0: If you really want to share it next week we can do it Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas 1977 is on YouTube
1: Well there you go We can learn all about it together right,
0: I'm going to have to find it and uh,
1: I was really counting on Dave for the background on this one so I will look into that we'll have it ready for you next week because now I'm intrigued I have to admit.
2: (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Just two closing thoughts, Mickey. Um, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and there should not be ketchup on hot dogs. Nice
1: nice you just want to twist it right into the very end don't you
2: those are real closing now that everyone's everyone's yelling at their computers or their iPods at this moment so
1: just so we're clear Die Hard is a Christmas movie and I put ketchup on my hot dog the airing
0: of grievances so there
1: and we are at the end of another hour and oh my god it goes so fast and especially because we just didn't have it for so many weeks and we will be back next week guys thanks for hanging on and waiting it out for us Um, and do find us on soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show you can catch up on all past episodes there as well as any new episodes you can subscribe and have it automatically sent to your phone follow us on twitter at Jim and Mickey you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show I'm Mickey White he's Jim Garrity Dave Perkins is behind the board and we want to thank you for joining us again this week we'll be back next week with a whole new Jim and Mickey show
0: this turkey tastes half as good as it looks I think we're all in for
2: a very big treat <laughs> <laughs> save the neck for me Clark
1: I really can't say baby it's cold outside I gotta go away baby it's cold outside this evening has been so in. very nice I'll hold your hands, they're just like
0: mine My I. mother will start to